Primary Care Knowledge Boost, Physician Associates in Primary Care. Welcome back. We're very excited to have our first interview with one of the additional roles in primary care today. Yes, we're speaking to Rick Staniland, who is a physician associate. He talks us through how he got into it and what the training involves, as well as how he fits into his primary care team. Yeah, we're also joined by Dr Ali Lee, who's a GP and is heading up the workforce transformation in primary care in Greater Manchester um, to add her thoughts. Um, Would you both like to introduce yourselves for the listeners? So I'm Ricky Staniland. I'm a physician associate working in general practice, have been qualified for the last two years, but I work in a few different roles sort of throughout primary care, which I'm sure you'll find much more about um, a little later on in the interview. Um, Hiya, I'm Ali Lee. I'm a GP and um, here as clinical director for primary care workforce. And the reason we're all here is that we're working on a new role series to help promote and understand the skills and benefits of all of our colleagues that are going to join us in our primary care networks to help improve and deliver really good patient care. And it's really good to speak to Ricky, one of our physician associates today. Yeah. Oh, you've preempted my second question, Ali. You're right. <laughs> so you've already set the scene for us. That's perfect. Um, and the first thing we wanted to say was it's probably worth clarifying at the beginning that it's a physician associate, not a physician's associate. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I guess it's it's something that's quite contentious, really, in that, of course, it's almost, I guess, this contentious argument around sort of being part of a team as opposed to belonging to a member of that team. Um, and I guess in for me, it's sort of about, I guess it drills down to the core of your own values, really. I mean, we went in this, we, you know, we, we trained as physician associates to be part of a medical team and I guess really not, not necessarily to be subject to hierarchy and feel inferior and that you belong to your clinical supervisor, but you work alongside them and with them to provide that patient care. Uh, and so for me, I think it says a lot about sort of our identity and, and what we do and who we yeah. are. I think it's a really important point. I'm so glad I asked. I think I was talking to somebody about this um, um, recording with you and they were like, just checked what I'd said. Uh, and I hadn't really appreciated that. And I think it's it's a really lovely point to cover right right at the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah thank exactly. You. I don't think enough people appreciate that. So yeah, thank you for clarifying for us, Ricky. Um, so if we start kind of from the beginning um, with yourself, kind of how did you decide to become a, a physician associate? Um, kind of what was the decision and then what was the training involved in being able to become one? Yeah, so that that's quite a big, 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 broad question for me, really. So I guess at the age of 17, when I was doing my A-levels, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so what where I started really was I actually just saw an opportunity to, to do what I was good at at the time. And I was so, so I pursued chemistry really as an undergrad. Um, and then throughout that, I discovered that I really sort of liked sort of medicine and medicinal chemistry. So then I did a master's in medicinal chemistry. Um, and then thought, actually, what am I going to do with this though in this career? So actually, um, I then, I then looked at, at sort of graduate entry medicine, but unfortunately it was, it wasn't financially feasible. So, um, at that point, I thought, oh gosh, I have no idea what I need to do or want to do with my career. So I ended up doing a PGC actually and trained as a teacher initially. Um, I did that at Manchester. And then when I finished my PGCE, I came across um, the Physician Associate Programme at Manchester, just incidentally, and then 
saw that there was a package to help support people to train within that. Um, and so applied, I guess, really in, in the hope to try and pursue what I wanted to do initially. Um, and that, that's where it started really. And I haven't looked back. It's probably the best move I ever made. It felt like a little bit of a risk at the time because when you'd speak to anyone in healthcare, it'd be very much sort of like, Oh no, I don't that, you know, that I'm not sure about that role. And so it was quite, um, I felt, yeah, it felt like I was taking a risk, but, um, certainly one that was well worth it. Um, and then when I did start the training, I guess just broadly breaking it down that, that we started off with a 16 week core block of general medicine where we'd sort of cover core common pathologies. So we'd do sort of a month on gastro and cover, cover most of the core common pathologies. We do then respiratory, cardio, endocrine, those sorts of things within that. Try to pick up procedural skills throughout as well. So we do obviously things like bloods, carrying out ECGs, doing a set of OBS so that when we did then go on to our clinical placements, following that sort of four month block, we, we would have hopefully some usefulness or at least have an idea of what, what might be going on on the wards and in practices. So, and that, and that then there was essentially three eight week clinical placements that I did. I think I did mine on acute medicine, general practice and surgery. Um, so that was the first year, very much general, general medicine and clinical placements. The second year then was largely around sort of specialties. So we did peds, obstetrics and gynecology, psychiatry. We'd study them um, as part of the university course. And then we'd then go and do a, a short placement or stint in that clinical area really to try and reinforce that. Um, so of, of course, it's a very, very intense two year program. But mm-hmm. what I often tell people is I, I think it, something that's really important to sort of get out there and echo is for me is that although it's a two-year full-time program that does equivalent is equivalent to three academic years so when we talk about sort of equivalent time in academic years it yeah it's 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 essentially like a three-year master's almost now so I think that's really important point to make people think that almost doing this two two years is very much a, a fast track whilst it is and it's accelerated and intense that in terms of time equivalence, it, it certainly felt like a three year. Yeah, that's really <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then so once you've um qualified, I think it's probably worth kind of talking us through what the what the role of a PA is. Um, because I think that uh, a lot of um clinicians out there maybe don't really understand what where you're supposed to slot in um to the yeah, team. So yeah. it might be quite useful to let us know. Of, of course, yeah. And I think it's a really, really good question in that actually um I guess a lot of people think that you qualify and, and, you know, pass your national exams and then you hit the ground running. And, and we probably all know that have worked in primary care or work in primary care that, or any medical setting really, that you don't just qualify one day and then you're the end product of that. It's almost the start of the journey, isn't it? And yeah. so whilst we're trained as general, general medical professionals and we work in a range of different sort of, uh, clinical specialties and clinical environments, I think, um, once you qualify, it really is just nurturing and embedding all of that skill set and knowledge base that you've developed over over your training, um, and and sort of you know molding it within that environment within which you work. So f- for me, I there was there was so much of general practice that I had no idea about until I started. A lot of it felt logistical, but then also things that you 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 just don't quite sort of see weighted in the curriculum of the course and I don't think that's exclusive to PAs but actually to sort of you know to medics as well in that I don't think ENT and and dermatology those sorts of things are as heavily weighted as what is expected of that in primary care so um, yeah so 
I, I guess uh, for me, the role of a PA is, is very diverse and it, it's very different from one PA to another. I don't think one size fits all. I, I've got friends that work in, say, gastro in secondary care and one of them will be doing endoscopy and the other one's very much more sort of outpatient clinics and more ward-based stuff. So it's so variable uh, from one PA to the next. And that is the same, I think, for general practice in that I know a number of PAs that work in general practice and when I tell them what I'm doing it often is very different to what they're doing um, but it's I guess in some ways about meeting the needs of the service the patients but and also what you want to get out of of, of your career really for me and I think primary care is an example of where that works best in that there's so much opportunity and flexibility for you to work in different ways um, for both yourself and what what's needed of the um, primary care service as well. Yeah that, yeah, that leads us nicely on to why you chose primary care, really. So did you know before starting the training that that was something you wanted to pursue or was it during training that that it appealed to you? Yeah, so actually, I don't think general practice ever really crossed my mind whilst I was training until I then went on my first eight-week block in general practice. And I have to say that, unfortunately, at the time, I think, because I was part of the pilot scheme, it was it was very new and there was a lot of hostility. And I, have, I think I felt that hostility. And I'm not alone in saying that we felt that hostility yeah. across clinical placements. And for it, it's, yeah, it, so so I guess for me, I, I, it sounds almost quite cliche to say, but I guess you want to feel welcomed. And, and, yeah. and that's exactly what I got from general practice and the team that I worked on with in my clinical placement there. And because of that sort of sense of belonging and that development that I gained throughout that clinical placement, I guess really opened up my mind to thinking that actually this is something that I could do and pursue as a career. And so so that's where it went from really in that after that placement, I then asked if I could go back on my elective the following year to that same practice. And following that elective, they then offered me a job and here I am two years later. And although it sounds really cliche to say actually, but because of the way that they've developed me and actually they kept an open mind about the role and the, the you know where we could go with it you know I certainly wouldn't leave lightly just because of the support that they've provided me with in the past few years it's it's been it's been a journey but no a very welcome one that's so lovely to hear yeah yeah it's <laughs> lovely to hear it's, it does feel like one of those roles that's like being part of the pilot I do remember being a junior doctor and PAs having to explain constantly to different professionals that you know exactly what they do and every you know everyone being like what but what you know very confused. yeah <laughs> so it's it's nice to hear that you're in a practice that got it and knew sort of how to you know how to make you part of the team and I guess that that's quite interesting because I'm sure like you say it's been quite an individual experience for different people what do you think it was about your general practice experience that that made it so good and sort of what is it about like for GPs or people listening who work in general practice what can they be doing to to help their PAs yeah definitely I I think I think it's just about respect and fairness and I think for me I wasn't treated any different to the medical student that that was there Um, my clinical supervisor actually sat down with me and said what do you want to get out of this and actually how can we look to sort of develop you as an individual and I think one thing I would say to sort of GPs and don't underestimate the opportunity of of how you can utilize students on clinical placements. Yeah. And Ali, I might I might ask for your opinions as well. I don't know if you've had any experience kind of welcoming PAs into practice or Yeah, well, I suppose listening to 
you guys and Ricky's experience, I think the value of a really good um, clinical placement in general practice can't be underestimated. So for colleagues listening who are GPs, nurse managers, practice managers, um, primary care network leads, if your value set includes developing a great team, developing a sense of shared vision and values that you respect each other and are committed to development, please consider being a clinical placement for our undergraduate learners, particularly physician associates, because um, as Ricky shared, there is a really real important opportunity that early in their career, our colleagues need to choose general practice and to choose general practice positively They've got to have a really good experience. So um, please get in touch with any of the primary care workforce team or the Greater Manchester Training Hub if you want to uh, offer clinical placements. Yeah, definitely like a little plug there, Ali. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. I'll do my best. <laughs> so if we think, um, Ricky, about your experience and kind of the general primary care team um, so not just the clinicians, but everybody that works in, in general practice. What do you wish that they'd known or better understood about the PA role before you started there? Because this is your platform, you can let them know now. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's, as I said earlier, I think for me it's most important to acknowledge that, n- you know, not one size fits all and every PA will develop at different rates. Everyone comes in with slightly different knowledge bases and skill set and um, and I think it's just appreciating that, you know, you, you, that, that and that everyone is an individual learner. So what may be your experience with one PA as a student will not be the same with the next and certainly won't be the same when you're then working in that environment. So I think it's just about sort of managing your expectations in such a way and knowing that actually you have a big role to play in moulding that that PA and, and that member of your MDT and developing them. But that might not always look exactly um how you see it um so yeah I, I guess for me it's just it's just being sensitive about that in that you know we we all come from different backgrounds and sometimes that can then mean that some people's got amazing skills in one area and knowledge in one area but you know that's very different to the next PA so when one PA might be able to sort of start on 40 minute or 30 minute consultations it may be a little bit more development for another um I felt quite privileged in that I'd obviously worked with the, my GP supervisor for sort of three months before I started so by that point we, we'd had a good relationship and a good understanding of what I wanted and where things were going by that point but that may take those first few months of employment just in working that out alone. Yeah really good points. Can I ask about um, early career development Ricky because I think it's it is really important to share that physician associate colleagues come with a, a variety of skills and backgrounds in the first year or two in general practice, what do you think the key things are that practices and GPs need to just be aware of and help develop? Yeah, I think it, I think it's a really good question, actually. I guess it depends what the practice wants specifically. So, you know, I, I, I found initially the best thing to, to sort of start off with was very much acute on the day presentations. But, you know, Depending on the breadth of that, that 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 will and may include paediatrics, and that includes ENT, dermatology stuff, which you know actually you might need a little bit more development and support with. So, I think there are certainly sort of um, areas and and sort of um, clinical areas which I think need that extra bit of development in the initial phase. 
Um, I feel like the, what the, you know, a lot of curriculums very much teach differentials of chest pain very, very well. But then actually when it comes to a very, you know, atypical presentation, it's that sort of clinical decision making and maneuvering around that. And it's managing risk and feeling comfortable with uncertainty is something that takes time. But in the early phase, it's not so easy to accept that, especially when you've only been in the job a little while. And whilst you can be well supported and well supervised, it still feels quite uncomfortable. So I think having sort of that forum to just be able to talk through that clinical decision making sometimes, having that sort of case based approach, that time to reflect with other PAs or other or other members of the workforce and that are maybe new as well is is really useful. And certainly I found it really useful to have that regular sort of uh, contact with my clinical supervisor weekly in the first in the first year just to be able to uh, debrief on some complex cases. It's a really good point. And it, it exactly reflects how Sarah and I felt when we finished GP training. It's exactly the same. You're, you're not ready to go out and do everything by yourself. So that peer support and clinical support from a supervisor is incredibly important no matter what role you're doing in primary care. Um, and then if we flip it on its head a little bit and think about your fellow PAs and, and PA students, what do you think it's important for them to know about general practice and the workings of general practice? Um, what do you wish you'd known before you'd kind of taken the leap to join general practice? Yeah, I, what I would say is um, general practice works in so many different ways. So what you may experience in one general practice is very different to the next. So I probably would say keep an open mind. There is so much scope and flexibility in the ways in which we do work. And that comes then with lots of opportunities. So what I would say is, you know, don't don't lose sight of the fact that if, you, if you're interested in PEDS, that there's not opportunity, I'm sure, at some point or, or whatever you're interested in to try and pursue a little bit of an interest in that. Um, there's primary care is always changing um and with it exciting opportunities popping up um but yeah not not to lose sight of the fact that sometimes it is really difficult we all have bad days but actually i think provided you've got that good support team and that network in which you in which you work then actually it makes the job all the more enjoyable and certainly helps me to get through day-to-day practice working as part of an amazing team that's really lovely um so just a bit more insight into people into the sort of general day-to-day looks like for you can you talk us through kind of what your career looks like at the moment or what like a week might look like in terms of what you're doing yeah sure so it probably is best if I break it break the week down is that all right just to sort of give you an insight so yeah so my Mondays uh, I'm clinical in practice so I start with a normal clinic in the morning so I see 16 patients um or at the moment it's obviously all remote (laughs) (laughs) um and then um, in the afternoon, I'm on duty on a Monday. So much like most practices have a duty doctor, it's sort of duty clinician because the APs will do that as well. Um, so that will be sort of managing any sort of urgent, possibly on the day things that need addressing, home visits in the afternoon, that sort of thing. Alongside that as well, clinically, I guess we have all the same in the way of docman results. So, so that's that's typically a Monday, and 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 those clinics really, for me at the moment, are undifferentiated, and I see everything and anything really. But I guess to go back to what we talked about earlier is it, it doesn't start like that, and I, I, and it certainly takes time to get there. So much much like I'm sure it does for yourselves as when you were G, GP trainees and registrars. So that's my Monday. My Tuesdays I actually work uh, within a different arm of. Um, software primary care together which is within the sort of training division um, and I guess this sort of came about since I had a 
PGC previously and taught. They'd asked me if I'd get involved with some training. And so I joined uh, the team that de- to design and deliver a general practice nursing foundation course with the University of Salford. So I worked with them to design that. I deliver the cardiovascular disease, uh, men's health, and then lead on the assessment for that. So that's that's my Tuesdays, which is yeah. really exciting and very varied. My Wednesdays is uh, the day where I generally would take lead on the diabetes. So uh, I lead on diabetes for the practices. So we have just over a thousand patients. Um, so I support really the, probably the more complex patients. So where the, we have a nurse at each site that would de- de- deliver sort of the general sort of diabetes care. And then those that are sort of quite complex I sort of look at to try and sort of, I guess, systemically optimize them from sort of a, a CKD, hypertension, diabetes, look at trying to sort the whole sort of package out with them. Thursdays, I go back to clinical. So I do a session in the morning, a session in the afternoon. Um, and, and that's my working week. So I condense my hours. So I work four long days and then I have Fridays off. It's my non-working day, but I generally most Fridays do um, locum. Um, so I do a lot of I do, I do, I generally do it in sort of out of hours, GP out of hours or in, um, the ED streaming at Salford, which is almost like the primary care. So we, we're streaming primary care patients and reducing, um, A&E admissions really. We're trying to pick up, yeah, GP presentations. So I'm very good at then saying that's it for the week. I'm, I've done my long weeks and then uh, have my weekends off, which is very nice. But I have a very varied week, which is amazing because it means the week flies by. Yeah. It's quite a portfolio. It's a it's a proper yeah, portfolio. That's so impressive. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Yeah, um, but it really does give you uh, just just from what you're doing alone, let alone what PAs generally can do. You can tell from everything you're doing a lot of the capabilities. Yeah, but I, I think for me it highlights the importance of I wouldn't be in the position I am if it wasn't for having the support and development from the team within yeah. which I work. Yeah. Um, they, you know, at, at every point we've identified that there's a need for someone to lead on diabetes and, and, or to get involved with the GPN course that we're delivering and or to help out with streaming. And it's been those opportunities that have then led to me getting more involved with them and then sort of, you know, tailoring my work pattern and structure to, to that. So yeah, I feel very, very lucky to have had such a great portfolio built up in the last few years alone, but, um, uh, uh, it has been hard work, but well worth it. Yeah. The last thing we were going to ask you was a bit of a soul searching question, which was about where you see your career going next. But I think you're already <laughs> at such an advanced level. Um, but you know, it's sort of ultimate end goals in terms of what you, what you want, uh, or what you might think other people generally might want their careers to look like. Yeah. At the moment, I'm very content and happy with where I'm at. Um, <laughs> But I guess for me, it's the most important thing is just a work life balance. And I think, you know, there's there's a big part of that that I get from from general practice, even with all these extra responsibilities and and so on. I can switch off on a Friday and then and then come back on a Monday. And for me, I want that to continue regardless of the direction I go in, really. So for me at the moment, that's I'm quite content. However, in the future, I would like to think once sort of we're you know, we've got gmc regulation through and hopefully prescribing then hopefully what will come in the future will be the opportunity to sort of take more of a leadership role within the practice in terms of something like clinical lead which whilst at the moment is far away it's something that i think is certainly within reach and in the future so yeah i think leadership is probably the direction that i'd like to go in but i'm certainly in no rush for that 
at the moment I am studying to sit the diploma with the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynaecology to upskill yeah. in women's health a little bit. But yeah, for now, for now, that's certainly it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess that probably leads nicely into our last question that we always ask everybody is kind of take home points. What do you want the the listeners to remember from our chat today? Maybe if we go Ricky, then Ali. Um, what I would say is for those that are working with physician associates is don't underestimate sort of, you know, that the importance of just being welcoming and open minded in respect of, of new professionals in, in primary care. Um, and for PAs out there, um, it would be whilst it may not feel like general practice is the environment in which you want to work but there is so much scope and an opportunity for us there um, and I think it would make a great a great career for any PA. And Ali? Oh uh, there's so many there's so many points so I think it's important to just reiterate that physician associate colleagues are trained within the medical schools and have a broad generalist skill set and as Ricky shared earlier each physician associate is is an individual and has a, a different background but early career support whether it be as a student or early career physician associate practices networks uh, primary care providers that can support good clinical supervision committed to development, please consider supporting physician associate students in early career. As a physician associate, general practice really does provide you a wealth of opportunity. Never rule it out. It might be worthwhile if it seems a bit too much of a leap early on, getting some early um, early experience in the hospital setting. But But if you want to try it, please consider coming back to general practice for for a role. I, I think uh, the physician associate profession is an expanding profession. I know Ricky's, Ricky and colleagues have been through a difficult time when the profession wasn't overly welcomed. I think the more understanding and experience all of our clinical colleagues get with this new and emerging and exciting profession, the more we'll get to appreciate how we can all work together and what the opportunities for improving patient care are. And for people who do want to develop a specific area, I know general practice is seen as a as a jack of all trades, but as uh, Ricky has shared, you can actually develop a specialist interest and develop quite high level skills and feel very comfortable in it. You don't have to deal with the uncertainty and complexity all the time. Yeah. So they're my reflections. They're wonderful. Yeah, it is. It's an ama- amazing following Ricky's progress in terms of what you've done and just like that tapped potential. So it's a, an actualized potential and, and where it can go. Uh, it's lovely today to have been able to follow that through and see it all. So thank you both. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, it was so nice speaking to Ricky and Ali today um, and just hearing about the massive role that um, physician associates do have, Don't wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of my main learning points really was just how much scope there is for physician associates in general practice. Like that every person coming into it will have a unique background and different career aspirations. So just drawing on that and optimizing both the kind of where they're fitting in and um, what they need 
for their learning and their career clearly it's a really good example listening to Ricky about how that can go so well and sort of everyone wins really exactly and just as well the resonance that there was with quite a lot of things that he was saying with how I remember feeling as a GP trainee medical student um, and then new to general practice as fully qualified it was so many parallels um, that was just so fascinating to me Um, and then I think also just that reminder of um uh, of just the welcomeness of of primary care um, and how important it is to keep hold of that and to be really good um, supervisors and role models for anyone that's coming into primary care, regardless of what role you're supervising. Um, and because it, it felt really sad that he was talking about the hostility that physician associates had um, initially. And I'm really glad that he had a good experience in primary care. And I hope that that's still the case within the specialty um but just to remember if you are supervising to to be respectful and fair um to whatever trainee that you have um under your care um and yes so there's a lot of different ways that you can get in touch with us you can um send us an email and our email address is primarycarepodcasts at gmail.com and we're also on twitter and our handle is at pckb podcast yeah and we also have a survey link and that's that you can find in the episode description and that takes you to a survey monkey one or two minutes Uh, survey that just uh, asks you for a bit of feedback really about how we're doing and what you might want in the future so thank you to those of you that have been filling that in that's been really useful to to see till next time on primary care knowledge boost guys just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public this was recorded in greater manchester in 2021 guidelines can vary by location as well as over time so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions Uh, the content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice it's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.